Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. So good to be here with all of you and see all of you and see what God's doing in Denton, Texas. I heard what Pastor Blake said about his, his one of his family members not leaving Denton, Texas. It's kind of surprising, isn't it? We had people in, when we were in pastoring in northern Colorado, little town, never, they never left. I guess they didn't want to see anything, seen all they needed to see, you know. But praise God, what a blessing to be here. you got a great church and a great pastor, and we're a part of a great fellowship of churches. We know we're not the only church, but we are a part of what God is doing, and we're so grateful for that. And we're grateful that God has put something in our hearts that we've held on to for many years, We've not drifted into all kinds of other, you know, things that, the, you know, chasing different things. We just stay consistent with what God has called us to because it works. It's what the New Testament church was. Amen. And when you just want to you want to know what the church should look like, you don't got to go on YouTube or any other on Facebook, anything. You just got to go back to the New Testament church and see what did they do? That's what we're going to do. We're going to see people saved. We're going to plant churches. We're going to raise disciples. And that's how we're going to operate. Amen. We had had started that church in Nairobi back in 2005. And, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to sell everything, see all your stuff sitting out in the driveway and people picking through it, you know, when you're planning to move. And that's what we did. We sold our, our stuff, put it out there. And, and picked up and moved over to Kenya. Didn't even have anybody to meet us at the airport. And uh, Emily didn't e- hadn't even seen the house we were going to move into. She just said, well, I guess we're going. And so uh, we went over there, and, and uh, we loved it. And I thank God for the time and the opportunity. And I thank God uh, for Pastor Dylan and Ashley. Uh, you, have a great, you have great pastors in this church and all three of these couples and pastor dylan and ashley did what a lot of people would be unwilling to do which is to leave a good job that you have and to leave a house that you love and to sell cars that you like maybe you don't love them but you like them and sell all of that and pick up your family and then to have children over in kenya you know it's it's one thing to have kids in a hospital here or somewhere but to, to go into a foreign country and to travel from Tanzania into Kenya to have, have a baby. And you don't know what you're going to get yourself into. It's not like having a baby in a hospital here. And it's a whole lot, but it is a whole lot cheaper, isn't it? It's a lot, it's a lot cheaper. But to, to have done that is a very honorable thing. And it's not in vain. And today, as Pastor said, these, this family, uh, Jackson and... Esther, they are, they are traveling to the conference, and I, I think it's pretty remarkable that in just three years, they were able to plant a church and to, and to establish something that is going to give long-lasting fruit. What a, what, a, what a miracle. What a miracle to be able to do that. And we didn't, we don't, we didn't hire that pastor over there. This is a disciple of theirs, and what, it's, it's the best possible scenario that we could imagine to, to see them turn that church over to a couple, and they're in constant communication with them, and uh, it's a blessing. So you guys did a, you did a tremendous job, Pastor Dylan and Ashley. 
thank you for that. Thank you for making that, making that sacrifice. I know it hasn't been easy coming back, and uh, it's, it's just, it, but, it, but God's going to bless you, I believe, and I, I really appreciate you both. Amen. I'm going to do something this morning I've never done in our own church. Is that all right? We have two services in our church as well. We were doing three. We had an 8.30 a.m., then we had a 9 a.m., and I, we would start the 8.30, and then they would get done with praise and worship, and then they would go over and do the 9 a.m. services in, in another auditorium, and then and I would just go in from the 8.30 service right into the preaching in the 9 a.m. service. I'd preach three different times right there. Now we're just doing two services. And the, what I'm going to do this morning, I've never done even in our own church. I'm going to preach a whole different message than I preached in the 9 a.m. Is that all right? Is that okay? It's a doubleheader today. All right? So all those folks that are serving in the kids' ministry and Victory Kids, uh, they'll have to watch it on YouTube or something else. All right? Amen. But I want to still, you know, it's all growth. I'm pre I preached this morning on growing in God. If you missed the 9 a.m., you can go and listen to it. But I want to also, this is another aspect of growing in the Lord. And I want to minister for a minute because I feel like it's necessary and it's something that the Holy Spirit has put in my heart on, on praise. On praise. There, there needs to be a breakthrough in this church, in, in all of our churches, in this area of praise. There's something about real praise. I'm not talking about just, you know, singing the song and, 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 and clapping along, but there's, there are some real benefits that go along with praise. I think sometimes people come from a background of, of Catholicism and other types of, of religion and denominational type of things where they, they come into a church that's Pentecostal. They don't know what it is to lift up their hands. What are these people doing? You look around, you're like, I've never been into it. I've never been in a church that, where they lift up their hands. But you know, it's scriptural. It's biblical. There's something that happens. There's a release. There's something that God does in our lives when we, when we step out of our own, our own uh, comfort zone and our own pride and we begin to turn our attention from the things on this earth to the things that are in heaven, to what God is doing. It magnifies God. Don't you come to church to magnify God? I want to magnify God. I don't want to have a kind of religion that is just, you know, kind of come and go to church and, well, we went, checked the box, and now we're going to go home and, and uh, let's get back to real life now. I want what God does in a, in a service to carry over into Monday and Tuesday till I can't wait to get back here on Wednesday and that it is a Christian, it's, an, it's not just a Christian experience. You know, we create an experience. I've been in so many churches that, that they think they're going to outdo Disney and Hollywood. It's not going to work. They, they can't outperform what, what the world is doing. And they, and they want to manufacture this atmosphere. It comes out of a heart of gratitude. Real, real praise comes out of a hunger and a desperation and a, realize that, a realization that, that, God, I need a miracle in my life. I need something bigger. What praise does, let me tell you what praise does. Praise magnifies God and minimizes what the devil is doing. When we get our eyes off of our problems and we begin to see how big God is, that's what we really need to do, right? We need to magnify God. 
When we magnify Him, we begin to see this thing that I'm going through. I don't care how big it is. It's still not as big as, what, as who God is. And it conquers something. There, there is a, this, what a depressing world we live in. Don't you get tired of being around negative people? Oh, I don't like it. I don't want to be around negative people. Who wants to work with somebody? Like, how many work with somebody who's negative? Sometimes I find myself, nobody works with a negative person. How about some married to somebody? That's na- don't raise your hand. You know what? I find myself like that. Emily will tell you, she, won't, she, you know, she doesn't want to admit it, but I'm like that a lot of times. And I have to correct myself. You get around somebody that's negative, and they, all they can see is the negative. They come in, I don't want to be that person where I walk into church and I just see problems and problems and problems. Right? I was, we were traveling from, from uh, the church in Slovakia. And I was traveling with Pastor Jones. I don't know if I shared this with you guys or not, but I was traveling with Pastor Jones, who is my dad. And we were traveling from a place called Poprad, where we have our church, to, a, to where the airport is in a city called Košice. And we were, Pastor forgot his briefcase, so we had to go back and get his briefcase from the house. And now we're late. But the man that was driving us had this BMW 700 series. And I'm telling you, it was nice. It's one of those cars that the faster you go, it felt like it got lower to the ground, you know. It was streamlined. And, and we said, you know, you're going to have to punch it to get us to the airport in time. We're running late. He said all he knew how to say was problem. That was, that was his one English word. Come on, we're going to be late. He says problem, problem, problem. It was just problem, problem, problem. But you know what Pastor Jones said? No problem. No problem. Faster. No problem. <laughs> We pulled up to that airport, and just in time, I mean, they were sitting on the tarmac, and we pulled up, and we, we ran and got on that plane, and we took off. But I think about, you know, what we see is problems. You know what God says? No problem. No problem. All we see around us is problem and problem, problem. But I want you to, I want you to walk away from this service knowing that praise in your life and worship and glorifying God can make all the difference in your life. It can, it can make all the difference. I'm not talking about your feelings because there's a lot of times I don't feel like doing something. And sometimes I have to come in. I have to say to myself, self, you're going to lift your hands up. Hands, get up there. Self, you're going to praise God. Nope, don't, don't, don't put your hands in that pocket. Uh-uh, get your hand up. There's power. Let me tell you something. There's power in praise. And I, I'll tell you what holds people back is their own feelings, their own emotions, and their own pride. Their own selfish pride. Self gets in the way, doesn't want to glorify God, and you need to walk out of this place today knowing that praise will conquer that negative spirit. There's some here, you've got a negative spirit. You've got a negative, you, you've, you've, got a, you've got just a little bit of attitude. You're at, and it's an attitude with God, and I think sometimes we need an attitude adjustment, don't we? Right? You, do your kids ever need that sometimes? You know, you can tell when your kids walk in and, there's, and, and they, they stink up the whole room, right, with their attitude. I've got, I've got kids. My kids are not teenagers anymore, but sometimes grown-ups are kids in big bodies. 
right? <laughs> and they come into church and they stink up the whole place. They got a negative spirit, but I'm going to preach it out of you today. Amen. I pray that God deals with us and helps us this morning. And I'm only telling you this because I preach like this to our own church. Because when I look out at our church, you know what I want to see when we're, when we're singing those songs? I, I want to see hands lifted up. I don't want to see people with their hands in their pocket looking around wondering, you know, when are we going to get out of this place? I want God to meet us in that service. I want to come in knowing that I've been in the presence of God and I leave victorious. That load was lifted from my shoulders. Sometimes more happens in a, in a praise and worship service than does throughout the entire preaching. You know, there are people that get healed during the worship service. Nobody even prayed for them. Nobody laid hands on them. They didn't even hear the sermon. All they did was take their eyes off of their condition or their spouse or their problems. They left their problems at the door. They're real. We, we know that we, we all have real things that we're dealing with, but we take our attention and we put it on the, on the one that matters. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance. I like how it puts that, how it, how it makes it just as plain as can be. We're destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Those thoughts or beliefs, those fortresses are our thoughts or our beliefs that need to be dealt with. And let me tell you, the education system in this country is at every level working to destroy and, and, and teach the minds of our young people to reject truth and reject God. It's a negative spirit. It's a demonic attack against families. A recent study found that teenage girls who vented or complained to each other about their problems, whether it was boy trouble or social slights or whatever the case might be, were more likely to develop depression and anxiety. Surprise, surprise, right? Negativity costs between $250 and $300 billion a year in lost productivity. 90% of doctor visits are stress-related. And the number one cause of office stress is co-workers and their complaining. I can see how that's true. It's not just office stress, it's church stress. Of people that, that can't help themselves but complain, right? Just one negative person can create a miserable environment for everyone else. And negativity isn't the only problem in the workplace. Negative emotions are associated with health problems, shorter lifespan, more pain, less energy, and fewer friends, which equals less success. Listen to Psalm 100. I didn't give it to the, the sound booth and the, for the screens, but in the ESV, Psalm 100, listen to what he says. If you've got a Bible, you can turn over there if you're lightning fast. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you are not God. I know some people have been waiting to say that. 
Now tell the person behind you. Tell, tell your second option that. <laughs> know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. You know, when somebody has a heart of gratitude, don't you want to do more for them? When someone says thank you, don't you say, you know what, I think I'm going to do a little bit more for them. There's, a, there's something about a heart of gratitude. When we come into His presence and we give God thanks, we're, we're, we're showing our gratitude because that's what praise is. Praise is really putting the attention back where it belongs. It doesn't belong on us. I think a person that can't lift their hands, can't participate, can't praise God, is more interested in themselves than they are in God. Pretty simple, don't you think? Gratitude is necessary for success. You want to be a success? Learn how to say thank you. You won't, make a, you won't become a success on your own. Somebody had to help you get there. I, listen, I, I pastor the church in Colorado Springs. We have a great assembly. We have a great building, great church, and, and, and we have a lot going for us. I didn't hit a home run. Somebody else had to hit, uh, get, me on, get me on base. And do that for me. God's had to. God's paved the way for us. And the and you know some people their 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 life is just consumed with ingratitude. Chances are the things that you're complaining about today. One of these days you're going to say, "Remember the good old days." You won't even remember the things five years from now. I think about my grandson Brett. He's ten years old. He's doing the playing the guitar in the church talent show today. He's smarter than he, than he should be, I guess. He's a, sometimes he's a little bit too smart, but he was four years old, and he leans over to me, and he says, he says, Papa, he says, remember the good old days? <laughs> he was only four. Like, remember when we were riding the tractor? Those were the good old days. It was probably like, you know, two weeks before. <laughs> Those are the good old days. What a tragedy to live an ungrateful life. What a sad thing to not be able to come in and like this psalm says to look at, at the things that God has done and the miracles that he's done. You know what many people's attitude are? They're, what their attitude is when it comes to the things of God? You know, they're, they're like this. God, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me lately? Like that woman who was met by a friend, and they, the friend asked her, why you look so sad? He says, she said, well, three weeks ago, I had a great aunt die, and she left me $100,000. Well, that's nothing to be sad for. Why do you look? Well, well, two weeks ago, I had an uncle who died, and he left me a house and a car. That's nothing to be sad about. Well, last week, I had a... A friend who, who gave me a very nice watch. It was a Rolex, and it was such a blessing. But, but, but that's nothing to be sad about. She says, well, why, why are you so sad? Well, this week, nothing. 
Isn't that how some people are? Has God blessed you? Has He done anything in your life that you, yet you can't seem to come in and find it in your heart to just lift up your hands and say, God, I thank you and I praise you for who you are and for what you've done and for my family and for my health and giving me another day on this earth? What a tragedy. You know, there's a grace that comes from God as a result of the praise that flows out of our life. So what what does praise accomplish in our life? There's a breakthrough that's available to us. People come in with all kinds of things, attitudes and rebellion and bitterness and depression. But you know what praise does? Praise brings us into alignment. Praise, you know what, church really should center us, right? It's like in, in when you're driving a car, if you just set it, if you just don't, if you're doing constant course correction, right, when you're driving, staying in between those lines. Praise, coming into church and really focusing on God centers us. It, it aligns us. It puts our lives and helps us put our lives in perspective. When we do that, God goes to work on our behalf. You want God to work in your life this week? You want God's favor and God's blessing in your life? This, this thing I'm talking about this morning will help us get back on track. It conquers a negative spirit. Life ought to be lived with joy. This is, you know, remember, I don't know if, if you're old enough, some people are old enough to remember this old beer commercial. Remember or this campaign, Taste Great, Less Filling. Remember, I don't know, who was that? Some of you old timers, that, <laughs> that was your thing. That's how a lot of, I, that's what I think of with some people with church. It tastes great, but it's less filling, less satisfying. I just, I'm just going, I'm going through the motions. But let me tell you what praise does and, and what praise is. It is an antidote for pride. It's where, we, it's where we put self in its place. Self, you don't, you don't call the shots. You're not running things here. It's an antidote for pride. There was an old revivalist, did a radio program back in the day for the Assemblies of God. There was a radio program called Revival Time Radio. Revival Time Radio. The host of that program, was his name was C.M. Ward. He was followed up by a man named Dan Betzer, who pastored down in Fort Myers, Florida. He's an old guy. I don't know. Hopefully he's still alive. I heard, haven't heard, but C.M. Ward said that people need three things in order to become a success in life. Three things. Number one, opportunity. Number two, discipline. And number three, a cause. Opportunity, discipline, and a cause. If you have just two of those things, you won't make it. Because you, some people, they have the opportunity and the discipline, but they don't have a cause. Others, they have the opportunity and the cause, but they don't have the discipline to go along with it. Are you following me? And when it comes to the things of God, here we're giving an opportunity. There is a cause. The gospel, what, a, what, a, what greater cause can we possibly have than that of the commission to go and preach the gospel? And the, the discipline that, needs, that, need, that we need to have in our lives is the willingness to be, to be, to be uh, uh, humble and to submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ and to be a, a person who is yielded. But that what gets in the way is self. 
What gets in the way is our own pride, and praise is an antidote for pride. True discipleship destroys an attitude of pride in our lives because we move farther away from that attitude and we move closer to Jesus. I want to get away from that. I don't want that to reign and and rule over my spirit and have control in my life. Some people have left that out. When he says in verse 1 of that psalm, Psalm 100, he says, make a joyful noise. You know, that's a command. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. God's not nervous. He's not afraid of us yelling. We've, we, in our church, we say a lot of amens, and we shout a lot, all right? And, and just in, in, if you ever pull up our, our service and listen, you'll hear one, one lady. I love her. Her name is DeAndrea. She sits on the front row. She came from a hard life. I mean, this woman, if I was in a fight, I'd want her to backing me up because she'd lay somebody out. She's a tough, a tough girl. Oh, she's, a, she's shouting amen. She shouts. It, it might make some pastors nervous when they get up to preach because she's amen and she amens everything. But I love it because she comes in. She's victorious. She's full of, full of excitement, and, and she's, she's defeated some things in her life. But there's some people, they chase everyone away because they're negative and they've got a spirit of pride. Whole life revolves around them. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Everybody say rejoice always. There's a verse you can memorize right there. It's just two words. How many can memorize that verse with me? Rejoice always, right? Pray without ceasing. You want to have victory in your life? This, is right, this right here is an antidote for, for the, the negativity that we have. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will. You want to know what the will of God is? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. How many people can't even muster up the strength to get out of bed and then before they, they get going on their day to take a minute and even say, thank you, Lord, for another day? for giving me breath. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Doesn't mean we're quitting our jobs and we're going to, you know, go up on prayer mountain somewhere. No, but we're going to live a life where our our attention is focused on God and you could pray anywhere. You could pray in the car. I I don't I think it would probably help us if we would instead of instead of turning on some of the the news of the day and and filling our our thoughts with everything else that's going on in the world we know the world's going to hell to get into into an atmosphere and a spirit of praise in the car and take some take some time to worship God and to praise God it's an antidote for pride secondly praise conquers a negative spirit a fault-finding spirit how many marriages can have been destroyed because of this negative fault-finding spirit a marriage that should have been a joy and should have been a, a place of heaven on earth becomes hell on earth because one or the other can't seem to find any peace and is just negative and there's just this constant spirit you know if if all we focus on is the negative in life we're in danger of losing what we have if you can't find the joy in it, you can't find any happiness, you're in danger of losing that very thing. I read a poem about a woman who got fed up with her husband's complaining. 
He didn't like the casserole. He didn't like my cake. My biscuits were too hard, not like his mother used to make. I didn't perk the coffee right, and he didn't like the stew. I didn't mend his socks the way his mother used to do. I pondered for an answer as I was looking for a clue, and then I turned around and smacked him like his mother used to do. <laughs> All you men, pay attention there. A heart of gratitude crucifies, not just conquers, it crucifies a negative spirit. It crucifies it. We, I take the word of God, I, I apply it to my life. I, I need God to speak to me. I don't, you know, there's enough hell going on in the world. There's enough problems. I need some, I need some victory. Where's my victory coming from? It's not coming from what this world has given me. I look up. Understand this. That's where our redemption's coming from. You see all these things that are going on in the world. Listen, it's temporary. You got, a, you got bills, they're temporary. Understand that. You, you've got pain in your body. You get an evil report from the doctor. It's just temporary. This, this life, it's a vapor. It's passing. It's fleeting. And it crucifies. That heart of gratitude crucifies a negative spirit. The third thing and final thing, I'll ask our musicians if they would begin to come is praise takes the focus off of ourselves. It takes the focus off of me. What I'm feeling, what I'm going through. I know, I know we've got problems. I know we've got real issues that we're dealing with. But for a moment, when I come in, I come in, I take my eyes off of my own needs and my own things, and I say, God, I'm just here. I, I need you. God, I need you. I lift up my hands. Sometimes I don't feel like it. You say, well, well, you're the pastor. Yeah, sometimes I don't feel like it. Don't you remember that, that story of that woman? Her, she told her husband, she says, come on, get up. Time to go to church. He says, I don't want to go to church. Oh, don't you know the, the kids are going to be expecting you to go? I don't feel like going. Give me, he says, give me three good reasons. Well, the kids are going to be looking for you. He says, okay, that's one. He says, she said, it is Sunday. He says, okay, that's two. She says, you are the pastor. <laughs> that's three sometimes even the pastor doesn't feel it right can you believe that that i have to say you know what god i need you i'm gonna lift my hands in spite of how i feel i'm gonna sing i'm gonna praise god i'm gonna clap my hands i'm gonna participate i'm not gonna be a spectator i'm not gonna just watch they're not putting on a show for me i came in to worship you and god i need your help God, I need your help. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 12, Jesus, it says as he meant, entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. Maybe you remember the story. Who, they stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, just one, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, Were there not 
ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. In the King James it says, Your faith has made you whole. Literally, he, he was saved. Out of all the others, I've seen lots of people come to altars. And I can, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that God has taken this person, lifted them up out of the pits of despair, but yet they can't even find it in their, in, within themselves to lift up their hands and, and to thank Him and to praise Him. It's not a one-time deal. It's an ongoing thing. You know what? God wants to hear from you. His desire is to have relationship with us. He wants to have relationship with us. When Jesus went to the cross and he carried all of our sins and all of our burdens to the cross, he, he, went, to, he went there and he hung, and he, it was in full view of the world. It was a shameful thing. Think about this. The passion of the Christ can't even put it, bring, get close to it. It was a shameful thing. He hung there naked on that cross. He carried my sins on that cross. He died for my sins. And, when he, and something happened when he hung there. The Bible says the sky went dark, the earth shook. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about that, being, being completely separated from God. God, why have you forsaken me? And it says in that moment, as the earth shook, and the sky was darkened. It was, it was it, something amazing took place. It says that in the tabernacle where they would always bring the sacrifices, only the priests could go all the way into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. That's where the sacrifice was made. People brought all of their, all of their, their sacrifices and they would take their sacrifices and the priests would carry them in on their behalf. They went into on their behalf and would offer their sacrifice on the altar. And the Bible says that in that moment, the veil, that, that veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court, that veil which was 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, and as thick as a man's hand, was ripped from top to bottom. Okay, what, what does that mean? Now anybody, because Jesus had gone to the cross, anybody could go into the Holy of Holies. Jesus made a way for us to go all the way in to his presence. Man didn't do it. It wasn't ripped from bottom to top. He did it from top to bottom. It's very clear on that point. Because when we come into church... And we come in and we, the praise is, is alive. And we're, these, these musicians, they're not doing a, a song and dance for us. It's, it's about entering, helping us to enter into that place of praise where we ourselves can go in and we, get, we can talk to God. We get answers. All for this point right here as we come down to the end of the service where we give an invitation and an opportunity that you don't have to go through a man. You don't have to go to a priest. There's not a confession booth somewhere, but you yourself can go right into the very presence of God 
Lord, I need a miracle. God, I need an answer. I'm, I'm going through it. I'm, I'm, I'm about to lose it here. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids. I'm not sure if I'm going to have a job next week or what, how I'm going to put gas in the car or what the, what, what the future holds. But, Lord, I come into your presence, and I need you. Let me tell you where our answer's coming from. Him. The government can't supply what you need. I don't care if they give us whatever, whatever, they, whatever they do for people on gas. I think that's a bunch of nonsense anyways. But whatever the case is, the government can't meet our needs. Our source does not come from, from, from this earth and anything on it. Our, our, our answer comes from him. If you need a miracle in your life, I would challenge you today, not just for this service, but anytime you come in here, be a person that's willing to lift up our hands and lift up our eyes and tune out everything around us because we want to be in his presence. And we come in, we come in to say thank you. Jesus, thank you. Today, there's some here, I'm without a doubt, there's somebody here, you don't know the Lord. You're not born again. And you're not right with God. If you were to step out of this building and for some reason, God forbid, step into eternity, I want to ask you this morning, would you be ready to meet with Jesus? Would you be ready to meet with him in the condition that, you're, that your life is? If, if not, today is the day of salvation. And today you can say yes to Jesus. And it's simply a matter of, of asking Jesus, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And come into my life. And I know there's more. There's more to it. It's not just a prayer. Because it's a decision from, for tomorrow as well. And the next day. And the next day. But repentance. Let me tell you what that is. It's a, it's a course change. The direction that I was going. I'm no longer going that way. Now I'm going to serve God. And I'm, heaven is my destination. I want us to bow our heads across this place. If that's you, you don't know the Lord, you need salvation and you want prayer today, you want to make that commitment, today is the best day for that. I'm not going to embarrass a single person here. I simply want to lead you to the Lord and help you to know Him as your personal Savior. How many across this place would just lift up your hands, say, Pastor, that's me, I need Jesus, I need salvation. Yes, I see this one, you can put it down. How many more? How many more would join this one quickly? Raise it up high and put it back down. Yes, God bless you. How many others? How many others? Greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. I have no regrets. Yes, God bless you. Amen. You can put it down. I see that hand. How many others? How many others? You'll join these. Let's all stand together in this place. Maybe you lifted your hand or maybe you didn't you wish you had and you want to come i'm going to invite we're not just inviting people that lifted their hands we're going to find an altar this morning maybe before we come before we come maybe you can say in your own heart you know what i've been a little bit cold i've been cold i've been distant you know you can tell when somebody is distant a friend is distant can't you they stop talking to you they stop picking up your your calls you don't see him quite as often. You start to wonder, is everything all right? I think sometimes we get like that with God. And instead of coming to him and saying how grateful we are, it's like, what, God, what have you done for me lately? Today, maybe you need to renew your first love.
You need to renew that first love. Tonight, or today rather, we're going to come and find a place. If you lifted your hand or you didn't, you wish you had, and you just want to come and pray, can we just come and find a place and fill up these, these altars and just talk with God and make some fresh commitments to the Lord? If the Holy Spirit is, is touching you and dealing with you about anything, why don't you just come and just find a place and pray? We're going to close this service in just a moment. We're going to lift our hands and worship Him in just a moment. But let's just come and spend some time and just do business with God. You just tell Him in your own words. If you've been distant, if things have not been the way that they ought to be, just, just tell the Lord, God, I'm sorry. I repent of my, my complacency. I repent of being mediocre in my life. I'm sorry for my attitude. I'm sorry for, for, for having a, a rotten spirit. I need your mercy. I need your help. As we sing, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.